Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. If y'all could please stand for the reading of God's word. This is from Genesis 3, 7 through, 12, 7 through 11. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? This is the word of the Lord. This is the word. Would you bow with me? Let's pray. Dear Father, what a joy it is, as always, to be in your presence. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would draw us near you. That, Father, whatever we came in with, the heaviness of life, the difficulties in life, Lord, whatever they might be, that, Father, just for a few minutes that we might focus on your greatness. Father, I pray that your word would do what it's set out to do, and that is to change people's lives. We want you to be lifted up. We want you to be glorified, Lord. And we just want to get out of the way. We pray that you would convince us, convict us, that you're all that we need. I pray that we would um, have a desperate cry for you. Father, that we would know that our hope and our strength comes from above. Father, we love you. And I know in moments in our lives, it doesn't seem that way, but we do. And I just pray that you would be glorified through this time. And I lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't know about most of you, but I know for me as a kid, games were a huge part of my life. Now, I'm not talking about you who are 30 and below. <laughs> I'm talking about the games that you had to get out in the heat and in this coldness and in the summer and whatever it might be to play. All of us had some of our favorites. And in the first service, the only people at times were raising their hands were the people that have gray hair like myself, which makes me kind of sad because the young people have missed out on some of the greatest games that God ever created. I don't know about you, but I love the game of Mother May I. Who can relate? Gray heads. Red light, green light. All right, we got some praises on that one. Four square. Kick the can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> help chase help chase help chase someone no one played the game second service loses again look it up freeze tag 
How many of you were the person that they wouldn't unfreeze? <laughs> that was me. That was absolutely me. Red Rover. But the game that we covet most in my household was hide and seek. What a great game, hide and seek. It worked all your skills, right? Worked your speed, your, your, your agility, your endurance, and at my house, your safety. At my house, we had traps for when kids came over, even though we warned them about the traps, we had them. We had a clothes line in the back. There was three lines where mama hung clothes. There was a big tank where water used to be. There was apple, excuse me, peach trees all over the place. There was a pear tree. And then if you got too fast at nighttime, there was a fig tree that would slow you down because it would poke you right in your eye if you were running too fast. There were obstacles when you came over to our house. There were moments where if you got out there, you may not make it back home. So we warned them, but we didn't have them sign any papers. But one of our greatest threats at home were the cactus patch. In our fields, we had cactus patches everywhere. They were growing, excuse me, they were growing all over the place. And if you were unwise and did not listen to the guidelines and the rules during the day, you would pay a price at night when we play our game. We loved hide and seek. We loved playing with people in the community. And one day, this one guy showed up on our doorstep. He was from Bay City, Texas. And his grandma lived up the road from us. And he showed up. And his name was Michael Jordan. No, not, not this Michael Jordan. He looked more like this Michael Jordan right here. Michael Jordan. Michael showed up with big glasses, thick lens, chubby, slow, with a skateboard. Didn't have much talent, <laughs> but he found safety there with us at the house. We taught him all the games. We played all of these games with him. And he was one that we had to warn also, if you play hide no seek with us at night, fair warning. But you knew eventually someone was going to bite the bullet. So one night we got together and we began to play. There wasn't a lot of people that night, but Michael was there. And so we played and we chased a little bit and we hit a little bit. We played and we chased a little bit. And then finally, because the game was either kind of boring or we just ran out of stuff to do, we decided to call it a night. And so all my brothers and sisters went into the house and we were sitting around and we were getting ready for bed. When Michael first came to visit us, one of his warnings was when he would show up on the highway is he would scream out, get up and boogie. Get up and boogie. And so we always knew that Michael was on his way down the street because that was his saying, get up and boogie. So we're in the house and we're relaxing and we're getting ready for bed. Wasn't very exciting, um, hide and seek game. And the next thing we hear is, get up and boogie. Get up and boogie. And we're sitting there like the game has been over for a while. It's been an hour. I mean, there shouldn't be anybody still at our house. And we sat there a little while longer, and then you heard it again. Get up and boogie. Get up and boogie. We said, we got to go outside. So we went outside, and we began to look around. 
And there we find Michael. He has bitten the bullet. He has fallen in one of the biggest cactus patches that we had in the yard. And he was stuck in it. And he was lying there. And he was, get up and boogie. When we got to him, we could only kind of feel the weight of his plight. I don't know if you've ever had cactus stick into you, but they're not very pleasant. And he was lying in that bed of cactus, hurting, wondering, is there anyone ever going to come to rescue me? Does anyone even know that I'm really out here? Will they really hear me or will I sit here all night? When we start looking at God's word here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, you can feel the weight and the plight of Adam and Eve playing hide and seek and stuck in the cactus. You see, their job was to govern over all of what God has given them and put in front of them. They had everything, right? They had a relationship with the Lord. It was absolutely beautiful and perfect. The Lord said that man should not be live alone, so he created Eve, and so they had a love relationship. They had a marriage, and they had relations. Talk to each other later about that. They had everything that you can think about. They had authority over the animals, over the things up in the air, over the things in the sea. But for some reason, there was a point in their life as it is in our life at times, that God seems not to be enough. We always think that something over there is better than we have right here. And when we forget that what we have right here is all we need and anything out here will be even better because we have this relationship with him when we get those things mixed up, disaster comes our way. And if you think about Adam and Eve, what they gave us, what daddy and mama gave us, is a sinful nature. And the sad part about that is that in order to be all that we can be, we have to forget about our needs and realize that God has something better for us. When you think about Adam and Eve, you think about why did they go in the hiding? Why did they do it? If you look in verse 7 through verse 9 here, verse 8, excuse me, it says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And you know what, men and women? We've been hiding every since that time. Isn't it crazy that we would think that a God that loves us so much that understands us, that created us out of dust and spit, who created us in his image, who says that we can have anything that we want through him, that we decide when trouble comes, when we get ourselves into disaster, when we 
give in to our sinful nature, the first time thing that we want to do is to run and hide. Why do we hide? Can we leave his presence? It says that he was walking in the cool of the day. God was already there, correct? He was already listening. He had already seen what had happened. He was already on his job. And yet we ran. And we continue to run. And we continue to hide in things. As if God doesn't see and doesn't understand. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There's nowhere that we can go that he's not there, right? If we go up to the heavens, it tells us in the book of Psalms 139, he is there, right? He's down here on the earth. He is there. He knows every thought that we have before we think it. He knows every word that proceeds out of our mouth before we say it. There is nowhere we can go that he is not there. And Adam and Eve and having the best relationship, having paradise, having God all to themselves. Decided it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23 says this. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? There is nowhere that we can go that he will not find us. And praise the Lord that he can find us at times, right? Because some of the stuff that we find ourselves in, the only one that can get us out of those things is Christ. He's the only one, but he's the very one that we decide, we decide to run from. You see, when the shame and the guilt and the regret enters in, and when the evil one comes along and whispers in our ears and said, ah, see there, see there, you're not all of what you said you were. You don't really love Christ. You don't really want to honor God. Look at your lifestyle. He's what? He's the accuser, right? So he's going to make it out to where you are hopeless. You are a liar when he is the liar. He is the deceiver. He will make us think that God could never forgive us, that God could never use us, and keep us right where we are, stuck deep in our sin. Because when we are locked away in our sin, we are no use for the kingdom. And that's exactly what he wants from us. He wants us to be useless so that he can reign. Why is it? Why is it when we hear the Lord walking, when we hear, we heard your voice, we heard you walking through, but we decided, you know what? We don't want to bother God with this. You know, we got other stuff to do. We're just going to go over here. We're just going to hide away. Hiding has never set us free. Hiding has never restored the joy in our lives. Hiding has never restored our peace. It's never been able to do it. God is the only one that can do it. There's two things that we look at when we see them hiding. Not only were they hiding physically because they left the presence of God and went that away, but they were hiding and concealing what they had done. Does that sound like us? Does that sound like us? Not only will we run to different places and, and, and try to hide that way, but we will conceal our stuff, our sin, because we fear 
what God might make of us. The really weird thing sometimes is we fear more what our human people think about us than what God thinks about us. What what are they going to say about me? Am I going to get to be in the social club still? Who cares? You've damaged your relationship with the Lord and there is no conviction in your heart about it. Where can you go? Where can you hide? There's nowhere to hide that he's not there. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, he says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account to. There is nowhere we can hide, men and women. In my own mess, in my own deep sin, when I try to disappear and act like it's not there, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is nothing that I've once had with the Lord when I decide that I'm going to do my own thing. And oftentimes, our biggest problem is just what the problem was for Adam and Eve. We want to do our stuff. We want to do it our way. We have a better plan. My thing will work, and God's won't. Because that's what we tell him when we're engaging in ungodly behavior. Concealing is the worst thing that we can do. The shame, the guilt, the fear, all those things entangled your life. And you're like, why am I sitting in this when I can run to my father and he will forgive me and set me back on a righteous path? But we do it, though, don't we? We do it often. The saving grace is this, point number two. He seeks us. He seeks us. You see, when I think about Michael, Michael showed up to play a game. He showed up to play a game. And for five minutes, (laughs) it took him five minutes to go hide. But it took us over an hour and a half to find him. See, that's what we do. When we decide that we're going to go hide somewhere, it doesn't take God an hour and a half to find us, praise the Lord, right? He enters in right away and he says, I know what you're doing. I know what you've done. Confess it. Don't hide it. Quit concealing it. We find here that when God is in the presence of Adam and Eve, he says this in verse 9. He says this, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking. And he goes on to say, excuse me, in the garden, in the Lord in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord from among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Isn't it good to know that God seeks us? In Romans 3, chapter 10, verse 10, chapter 10, number 11, says something about We do not understand, nor do we seek after God. There's nothing inside of us. When we're as lost as a goose, when we're living it up, engaging in anything we want to, not fearful of God, not having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we seem like we're free. We seem like we are doing whatever we want to do, and things are happy things. Got our groove on, everything's happened. But the truth of the matter is you are lost and in hiding with no hope. The good thing about us who know the Lord Jesus Christ is that we are lost in the stuff, but we have hope. We absolutely have hope in Christ. 
And so at that moment where he is there and he is saying, hey, I'm going to come towards you because there's nothing inside of you that's going to bring you towards me. Isn't it so good that we have the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us, that draws us near the Lord and wants us to live a life that brings honor and glory unto our Father? But it is in those moments where we think we got it all under control and we start seeking other things. Maybe Adam and Eve just got comfortable. Maybe. Maybe they just got comfortable, just got used to God being around. He's there, he's going to always be there. I get it. And it's so easy to get lax in our walk. It's so easy to forget how hard it was to come out of the mess that we were in. Some of you have some of the most horrifying stories, Bronson, that someone could ever tell about one's life. And in the midst of that ugliness and in the midst of that sin and in the midst of that guilt and in the midst of that shame, the Lord reaches down and he touches the heart and he changes it because God came near. He came near. Praise the Lord, he came near. This is what it says in Ezekiel 34, 11. Or thus says the Lord God, behold, myself, I will search for my sheep and seek them out. The thing about hide and seek, guys, is that you can go out and you can hide, but if the seeker gives up on you, <laughs> if the seeker gives up on you, if the seeker doesn't know that you're still hiding, if the seeker doesn't know that you're still in the cactus, you sit and you rot and you hope that someone hears and someone responds. That night, a five-minute game turned into one of the most difficult ordeals for a little 13, 14-year-old boy of lying in a cactus and wondering if he was going to sit there all night. And because of get up and burden, get up and burden, that was his cry to us. What is your cry to the Lord when you find yourself in the thick of a cactus? Because we better have a cry in the thick of a cactus. Because if we don't, we will stay there and that will be our resting place. God wants better for you. He has more for you. He sent his only begotten son so that you would know that he has more for you. But he cried out, and then we begin to seek him and rescue him out of that cactus. And the sad part about that is that we brought, <laughs> it's not funny, Robert. We brought Michael in and he was just, he was just covered. He was just covered with cactus. And we carefully had to take off his clothes. And even when we were taking off his clothes, we were being poked. See, when we decide to hide in our sin, we just don't affect ourselves. We affect other people around us also. And I think we forget that sometimes. Because when they say, Leslie, that Christian, she's not just talking about that Christian there. She's talking about every one of those who believe in Christ. We're all lumped in there. Because we're all in this thing together. And I think we forget that. 
I think Eve and Adam forgot that they were the start of civilization, that God had put them in the perfect spot to succeed, that none of the heartache, none of the sin, none of the, none of the disgusting things that we have to deal with in this life would have ever come about if they just would have stayed obedient, if they just would have continued to be in God's presence. But praise the Lord that he is a seeker. We have to understand that God in hide and seek, praise the Lord that he never stops seeking. Praise the Lord that he is one that does not give up on us. Praise the Lord that he understands who we are. Praise the Lord that he knows that we're going to engage in risky behavior. Praise the Lord that he knows that we're going to do simple things. Praise the Lord that he knows that we're going to be full of guilt and shame at times. Praise the Lord that he understands us because he created us in his image. He knows every hair on our body. He knew us when we were in our mother's womb. He knows us. He knows us. So when he's seeking us, he already knows what we've done. He already knows the condition our hearts are in. He already understands what we're facing. He knows our difficult things in our life. He already knows. So why are we running the other way? Because who's ever over there is not going to be able to help you the way your God will help you, where he's standing right in the same place where you left him. It just will not work. We have to understand that he seeks us and that he rescues us. And Luke 19, 10, he says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. His job is not just to come here and hang out, be nice, eat. His job was to come and save those who were lost. He came to give us the hope that we would have one day that we would have eternal life. Why do we hide Unfortunately, today, it's just part of our nature. It's part of what we inherited from our mom and our dad. But it doesn't mean that it has to always be a part of our lives. We don't always have to be in rebellion. God makes a way through the Lord Jesus Christ where he can give us the strength to abstain from things that are going to tear us away from him. And my third point in closing here, God restores us. God restores us. And verse 10, he says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And this is what he says. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Now, when you look at that, you almost feels like it's your mama saying, who allowed you to get the cookies? Because oh, I didn't give you permission, but that's not how I believe that they, that God is talking here towards them. I believe that he is coming them, to them with no condemnation. Now, does he condone what they've done? No. Is there consequences for their sin? Absolutely. He says our sin will not go unpunished. But the way that he walks and the way that he talks to his people, I don't believe that he was yelling at them and scolding them. I believe he was saying, why did you run when all you had to do is confess? 
He wanted to get to the heart of things. You heard me. I was walking. I've been with you. We've been hanging out with boys. And you decided, because of your fear, because of your doubt, because of the evil one, that I wanted to punish you or destroy you when all I wanted to do is show you my grace and embrace you and remind me that my love is sufficient for your life. I have enough for you, no matter what you have done to you, no matter what Satan has brought in your life to trip you up in. I have more than enough to offer you. I believe that there are, there are moments in our life where we think we've gone too far, that we've done too much, that God could never forgive me, that God could never understand what I'm doing. And the truth of the matter is, is that he forgives all. That's what his son was about going to the cross. He forgives us completely. And he says that he washes that sin and he throws it as far as to the east as to the west. And then he also says that he will remember it no more. So he looks out at his people. He looks out at his people. And he says, you don't have to play hide and seek with me. He says, come on. Bring it all to me. Bring your doubts, bring your fear, bring your hate, bring your sexual immorality, bring your lying, bring your gossip. Gossip, Come on. Come on. He says, come on. I am enough. God reminds us that he is enough to handle anything, anything that's governed over your life that's not of him. His grace is enough. He restores hope. He brings healing. He brings the joy back of our salvation. Remember the story about David? David decided that he was going to go and engage in sexual immorality. Hid it for nine months. And if you ever take a look in the book of Psalms, I believe it is in chapter 51, it talks about there was moments where his bones ached so bad because he hid away his sin. He didn't want anyone to know about it. He continued to govern. He continued to go day by day. But there was moments in his life where he said, please, Lord, rejoice, rejoice. Excuse me. Please restore the joy of my salvation. And maybe some of you are here this morning. The saying, I... I don't feel him anymore. It's not the same anymore. I don't know where he is. Where he's in the exact same place that you walked away from him. And you know what? Come on. That's what he's saying. And then there might be someone out here this morning that have no idea what it is to experience his love. That you are really in the cactus right now with no hope, no direction, nothing to hold on to. And you said, what is it out there that I can hang on to? It is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is salvation through Jesus Christ. It is taking a hold of him and letting him run your life. There's someone for all of us. God covers it all. 
And if you ever take a look in verse 22, I believe it is, where they had covered themselves up with leaves, <laughs> he made the first sacrifice of an animal. <laughs> the first shedding of blood, which Jesus eventually does for us. <laughs> and he covered them up. Covered them up. He covered them up. You see, man's plan, man's excuses, Satan's lies, they will stop you from his covering. But he covered them up. He made the first sacrifice so that they could find peace. In him. Now, it wasn't without consequences because if you read the curses that came along in there, they're very real. But God loves his people. And he will forgive us for whatever there is. Hide and seek. It's a wonderful game as a kid. Had fun playing it. But in real life and walking with Christ, hiding our sin will hinder our spiritual growth and damage our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you four little practical things. Bronson has put this in us. He always talks about practical things that we need. Four little practical things that we can do. First of all, confess your sins often. There's no reason, men and women, there are no reason to just keep things tucked away and keep piling them up, piling them up and saying, one day I'm going to confess. Confess often because he's quick to forgive. Number two, repent and turn away. And repent doesn't mean I'm just going to accept this forgiveness and then I'm going to run right back to my sin. Repent means to turn, 180. You're turning, you're letting go, you're moving on to something new. Number three, stop hiding behind God's forgiving grace. In other words, don't continue to sin because you say, oh, God, forgive us. Grace is, he loves us so much, he shows grace towards us, so I'm not going to engage in the sin. I'm going to honor him. And then number four, forever stand his word. This will bring comfort to you. It will bring peace to you. It will bring joy to you. It will convict you. It will convince you. It will challenge you. It will mold you even more so into God's image. He doesn't want us to continue to hide. He wants us to come out, come towards him and watch what he'll do with your life. Amen. Let's pray. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, it's, 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 it's so easy when most of our lives, before we knew you, it was easy just to run and just to hide. It was easy just to engage in any old thing and not think anything about it. But when you saved us, when you came to live inside of us, you conveyed to us that we don't have to run anymore that we don't have to hide from you, that we can come and your arms are always stretched out for us to embrace us and love on us. 
I ask you this morning, where are you this morning? Many of us walked in here with big smiles and feeling good about life, but really deep down inside, deep in the soul, we are dying because we have hidden away our sin and we pretend that all is well. We smile, but we have big tears in our hearts. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of the things that are not of you in our lives this moment. And Father, I pray that we would come to repentance and that we would turn those things over to you. Lord, we desperately need you because we live in desperate times. Have your way with us, Lord. I ask you to lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.